The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Make his face shine upon you. May the Lord give every one of us peace. We're living in some difficult times and we're seeing some very difficult days. We're living in a day and a time that the scripture spoke of that the day would come where people would rather believe a lie than the truth. And we saw the manifestation of that on Wednesday of last week when a mob breached our nation's capital. We saw the manifestation and the evil that we've never seen before in our lifetimes. And so how will we explain that to our children? How will we even understand it for ourselves? Pray for our president. I pray for him and I encourage you to pray for him. We have a president that's mentally unstable. And we have a president that, that has become a cult leader with a cult-like following. Where people would rather believe his lies and deception rather than believe the truth. Now this man told us in 2015, 2016, he told us that if he didn't win the election, then he would say it was a fraudulent election. It was a rigged system. And he's done that. And yet so many are deceived to see that mob press upon the Capitol, doing property damage and even injuring lives and at least five people were killed, all because of lies and deception. And you know what's really heart-wrenching, beloved? That mob, that terrorist mob, many of them undoubtedly confessed to be Christians. But if that's what a Christian is, then that's not what I want to be. Just let me be a Christ follower. Can you imagine Jesus breaking down the doors to the Capitol? Can you imagine Jesus placing the lives of others in jeopardy? I'm telling you, beloved, people are blind and you ought not to be one of them. But you ought to be the one that's going to pray for those that are blind, that God opened their eyes. This nation is deeply divided. And the church is becoming more divided. If that's Christianity, then I don't want any parts of it. Thank God Jesus never called himself a Christian. But thank God those that truly believed in him, they were called Christ followers. I want to follow Jesus, and I want you to follow Jesus. And so pray for our president. Just a few days he has left in office, 
and pray for our president-elect and our vice president-elect that God would use them to bring healing and wholeness to this nation. The soul of this nation needs to be healed. And there are many factions still out there. There are many groups out there that still aim to do mischief. But in Jesus' name, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Glory to God. This morning, beloved, I want to read to you from 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And I want to continue my message I began on last week, a series entitled, In His Presence. And today I'm calling this message, Living in the Face of God. Living in the Face of God. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, if you look at verse 1, so they brought the ark of, of God, and they set it in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. Verse 7. On that day, David first delivered this psalm in the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. And this was a song of thanksgiving. And you'll find this song in Psalms 105. Verse 8, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing unto him, sing psalms to him, talk of his wondrous work, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face evermore. Seek his face evermore. Here the ark of God represented the presence of God. And when David heard how God had blessed the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, how God had blessed Obed-Edom and, and all that he had, he prospered all that belonged to Obed-Edom. When David heard that, David decided that he would have the ark brought to the city of David. Now the ark of the covenant was in the house of Obed-Edom for three months. And for three months, Obed-Edom and his household, they lived in the face of God. They lived in the presence of God. And because they lived there in the presence of God, the face of God, God blessed them. He blessed all that they had. He blessed all that belonged to them. So when David heard about how God was blessing the house of Obed-Edom, David went and brought the ark to the city of David. David wanted the presence of God in Jerusalem, not just in one man's house. See, the, to the Israelites, the ark was the presence of God. So David wanted the presence of God in the city of David. And we're reminded of Psalm 16, verse 11, 
that you will show me the path of life. For in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You will show me the path of life. The path of life of blessing and abundance. The path of life of blessing and abundance is living consciously in the presence of God. Jesus said, the thief cometh not, but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The presence of God is also the face of God. You see, the same word for presence in the Old Testament is also translated face. So the presence of God is the face of God. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. God spoke to Solomon at the dedication of the temple, and God said to Solomon, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face. In other words, seek my presence. Seek my presence, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin and heal their lands. Second Samuel chapter 21, verse 1. In the days of David. There was a famine in the days of David for three years. Year after year. So David sought the presence of the Lord. David sought the presence of the Lord. He sought the face of God. And when David sought the face of God, then the Lord answered. So the presence of God is the path for blessing, the path of abundance. Now there's three things about the face of God according to Psalm 16, verse 11. There's three things about the face of God. Number one, this fullness of joy. Number two, in the face of God, we stand at the right hand of God. Number three, there are pleasures forevermore. In the face of God, there is fullness of joy. Fullness, not partial joy, not imperfect joy, but fullness of joy not joy intermingled with pain and suffering. Some of us have the joy sometimes, but we don't have the joy all the time. And that's because we forget where we are and whose we are. We are living in the presence of God. And if you're living in the presence of God, you're living in the very face of God. God is looking at you. God is looking at me. We are behold, we are before the face of God. So where's our joy? Jesus said to his disciples, he says, up to now you've asked nothing in my name, but ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Jesus never promised He never promised anything less than the fullness of joy. And that's Luke, I'm sorry, that's John chapter 16, verse 24. Then he also said to his disciples, 
in John chapter 15, verse 11. He says, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. That your joy might be full. So the promise is fullness of joy when we are conscious of the fact that we're living in the face of God. When we're living in the face of God, where's your joy? Where's your joy? We turn our joy on and off like a light switch. And that's because we forget. We lose our sense of consciousness that God is here. God is looking at us. We're standing in front of the face of God. And in the face of God, there's a promise. There's a promise of fullness of joy. In the face of God. We stand at the right hand of God. The right hand is the hand of honor and favor. The right hand is the, is the hand of favor and power. God wants to honor every one of us. God wants to strengthen every one of us. God wants to show his favor to every one of us. He wants every one of us to be endowed with his power. And that's at the right hand of God. We live at the right hand of God. Don't ever forget where you are. You are at the right hand of God. Ephesians chapter 1, the 20th verse, says that when God raised Jesus from the dead, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he caused him to be seated at his right hand in heavenly places. Then Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says that we have been raised with him. We have been raised together with him. And we have been made to sit with him in heavenly places. If God raised Jesus from the dead to be seated at his right hand, and if we're in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and we've been made to sit in heavenly places, then Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Guess what, beloved? That makes us at the right hand of Jesus. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and those that believe, you're at the right hand of Jesus. When you're conscious that you're living in the presence of God, when you're conscious that you are living in the face of God, you know that God wants to honor you. You know that God wants to strengthen you. God will honor your faith. God will honor your prayers. He will honor your confessions based on the word of God. God will strengthen you even in your hour of weakness because you're living in the face of God. God will give you unmerited favor. He wants to highly favor all of his children. And then, not only will he favor us, he wants to give us power, power to live in life. Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Then in Acts chapter 1, he told his disciples, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. God wants us to operate in power because we're living in the face of God. So not only is there fullness of joy, not only is there are we standing at the right hand of God? But he also promised to us pleasures forevermore. Pleasures forevermore. 
In the face of God, there are pleasures forevermore. Now, this is not necessarily endless happiness. No. But God promised that he would abundantly satisfy us with fullness. In Psalms 36, a Psalm of David, God makes to us a wonderful promise. In verse 8, he says, They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. Let me say that again, beloved. God promised to abundantly satisfy us with the fullness of his house. He promised to give us drink from the river of his pleasures. Glory to God. So every time God answers your prayer, every time you receive a word from the Lord, every time you experience a manifestation of God in any way, that is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. So because we live in the face of God, he has shown us the path to life. There is a path of life. And the path of life is living with a consciousness that we're in his presence. The path of life is a consciousness that we live in the face of God. You know how it is growing up as children? When we were before our parents' face, we acted a better way than we did when the backs were turned. God's back is not turned. We are living in his face. He's watching you. He's watching me. And he wants to give us fullness of joy and those pleasures forevermore. Glory to God. We're always at the right hand of God. There's 166 references in the Bible of the right hand of God, but not one reference about the left hand of God. You're not on the left hand of God. He will put the goats on the left hand, but he only keeps the sheep on the right hand. Glory to God. We live in the face of God. So what, what does it really mean to live in the face of God? To live in the face of God means you live with a consciousness of God. So many times our consciousness goes, it wanes in and out. It comes on and it goes off. We want to develop a conscience of God when we come to church. Then we want to lose that consciousness of God when we leave church. No, 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 no. God is always present. God is omnipresent. He is ubiquitous. He's everywhere at the same time. And we live in the face of God. Jesus and his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus taught his disciples. He says, blessed is the pure in heart. Blessed is the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How's it that we see the hand of God sometimes, but we don't see God all the time? It's because of the impurities in our hearts. When you're pure in heart, you see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If God is in your face, you ought to see his face. You ought to see his face by faith. God is always looking at us. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding even the good. We have a tendency to be on our P's and our Q's. We have a tendency to be on our best behavior when we're in somebody's face that we respect. 
Then when we're not in the face, then we resort back to our own human nature, our own fallen nature, where we live any kind of ship-shot lives we want to live. But I'm telling you, we live in the face of God. We ought to live with a consciousness of the presence of God. So what does that really mean? If we're living in the face of God, would we fear God? Would we reverence God? How's it that? Many don't fear the Lord. Many don't have a reverence from the Lord. They'll fear him and reverence him within the four walls of the sacred sanctuary. But how's it that we don't really fear God? We don't really have a reverence from God. It's something we turn on and we turn off. I believe Proverbs tells us, Proverbs 1 and 7 says, For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 tells us, For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Then Psalms 111 verse 9 tells us that his name is holy and reverend. His name is holy and reverend. We ought to live with a fear of God. I'm not talking about fear of intrepidation. I'm not talking about the boogeyman kind of fear. We ought to fear God with a sense of awe. We ought to fear God where we reverence him. We reverence his presence. And we ought to live with that consciousness. Glory to God. If we're living in the face of God, would we pray and worship him? How's it that? Some of us have to work ourselves up to pray and to worship. Some of us need to be conjoled. We need to be prodded just to worship God. If you believe you're living in the face of God, wouldn't the most natural thing be to talk to God? That's what prayer is, talking to God from your hearts. If you believe you're living in the face of God, wouldn't the most natural thing be to worship him? Deuteronomy says, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and only him shall you serve. For God is a spirit, and they that worship him shall worship him in spirit and in truth. So how's it that? Some of us are not motivated to pray. See, that's the problem right there. When you got to be motivated to do anything in the kingdom of God, it's because you don't have a revelation of God. When you got to be motivated to pray, when you got to be motivated to worship, when you got to be motivated to give, the word motivation is not in the Bible. And the word motivation don't need to be in our consciousness. What needs to be in our consciousness is we're living in the face of God. And because we're living in the face of God, God is looking at us and we're looking at God. I want to pray to God. I want to worship God. I want to give to God because I'm living in the face of God. Glory. Living in the face of God. But our words and our behavior show honor and respect. You know how we do on a human level? You know how we do. Certain people, we'll respect them if we're in their face. But as soon as they turn their back, we'll call them everything but a child of God. Huh? Some people, when you're in their face and they're in your face, 
you try to talk right, act right, you try to do everything right just to show out of respect. But soon as they turn their back, then you revert, revert back to your fallen nature. You revert back to your humanity. You revert back to not being a person filled with the spirit whose very life is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You revert back to your old ways. I'll never forget one time I was officiating a wedding. And after the wedding, they were having this reception at this hotel. And so as my custom is, when I officiate a wedding, I, I usually stay around for the reception for a few minutes. And Joyce and I, I don't know why, they, they, seated, seated, they seated Joyce and I back near the cash bar. And uh, it dawned on me after a while I sat there, nobody was going to the cash bar. You know, the cash bar is where you go buy your, your beer, wine, and liquor, or whatever. Huh? And, and, and the people working the cash bar, they were looking funny, like, what's wrong with these folks? Nobody's coming to buy anything. So it dawned on me, and I said to Joyce, we need to go. So these people could go to the cash bar. And no sooner than we got up to leave, walked out in the hallway, I stuck my head back into the reception room, and they had a line at the cash bar. See, these people, they want to honor and respect Joyce and I as pastors. So they said, well, we don't want you to see us drinking. Not when you're facing us. But as soon as you turn your back, then I'm going to live any kind of way I want to live. That's what we do to God, beloved. That's what we do to God. We come to church and we believe we're in the presence of God and we try to put on our Sunday's best. We'll try to put on our, our best clothing, our best behavior. But as soon as church is over, then we feel like, okay, God's back is to us now. So we're going to live the way we want to live. Our words and behavior ought to always honor and respect God because we're living in the face of God. God is always looking at us and we ought to always be looking at him. So living in the face of God, would you still be a people pleaser? There's a lot of that going on in the church. People pleasers. You want to act the way people think you should act. You want to say the things people think you should say. And sometimes you end up talking out of two sides of your mouth. Would you be a people pleaser if you believe you're really living in the face of God? Beloved, that takes a consciousness. You have to purposely be conscious that God is looking at you no matter what you say to another person, no matter what you do, God is looking at you. Would you be a people pleaser? Would you be a people pleaser? You know, Jesus said, with your communication, he said this in Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 37, I believe. He says, with your communication, let it be yea, yea, and nay, nay. He says, anything more than these comes evil. You got to mean what you say and say what you mean because you know it's the right thing to say and it honors God. But you can't be a people pleaser when you know you're living in the face of God. 
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.